Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Question for you. Do you ever feel like you are doing your best, but your best isn't good enough? Do you ever feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in life, but it still feels like many days you're still on the losing end of life? I read a survey this week where a simple question was asked of people. Yes or no? Do you feel like you're good enough and accomplishing enough in life? Do you feel you're good enough or accomplishing enough in life? And the, the, the survey said eight out of ten people did not feel confident that they could answer that question as a yes. And as you read on in the article, it said that it left people feeling frustrated. It left people feeling an anger. It left people feeling confused. And I think that's because there's an unspoken belief in us that says if I do right and do good in life, then what I should expect is good results. The math just adds up. That if I do right and live right, then I should expect good things to happen in my life. But then what happens to all of us? Life happens. Life happens, and we begin to realize that this isn't always the case. And what it does is it leaves us with a feeling deep down more times than we want to admit is life isn't fair. Why is this happening? Why can't I get this to stop? Where does this come from? Why is this happening? We feel like our actions and the results of our actions are not adding up. This isn't fair. And we may not say it out loud, But deep down, it's hard to accept the truth. It's hard to accept that when we do what we're supposed to do in life, then we shouldn't be left with the results that feels like, why do I feel like I'm losing still? Well, this is an emotion that you felt or are feeling. You're not alone in that feeling. You're not alone with the people you're with today, and you're not alone or separate from the people we've been talking about in this series. This is not a foreign concept for the people we've been talking about, because even the early followers realized after giving their life to Jesus, that didn't mean everything was going to always work out the way they thought it should. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at their story and we're going to say, how can we walk through life in a way maybe we can learn from them? How do we walk through life in a way maybe they did so we can walk through the hardest moments in our life in a better way? Because we've been talking about the church. We were in the middle of a series talking about the church. 
We're talking about how God's plan of redeeming this earth includes the church. And I hope that you, after three weeks in these conversations, that you understand how great it is that we get to be part of a movement to change the world that started a couple thousand years ago. We get to be part of a movement that started on the day of Pentecost. Because what we saw at the beginning was that There's a group of people empowered by the Holy Spirit that had to figure out how do they live life together. After the Holy Spirit was given, after Jesus was gone, they had to figure out how can we be the church? How can we be the church while we're sharing the powerful, life-changing message of Jesus? And what we see in how they lived while we're walking through this is that God moved in a powerful way. That more and more people were becoming uh, aware of and buying into the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And so last week we stopped right before we got to chapter three. In the first three weeks, we've been through the first couple chapters and we're gonna continue today, but we're gonna jump ahead today. So we're gonna, if you wanna grab your Bibles, we're gonna be in Acts 6, 7, and 8, okay? But I don't want you to miss what happened in chapter three through chapter six because this is important. What we see in chapter three through six is amazing ministries are happening. Peter and John and the apostles, empowered by the Spirit, they're going out and they're preaching. They're going out and they're healing people of diseases and, and they're just their ailments. They're just they're laying hands on them, they're praying over it, and people are getting healed. And people are listening to them and they're starting to give their lives to Jesus. The ministry's growing by thousands of people. It's incredible times in the movement of the church. But as you can guess, this didn't go over so well with the community leaders. And so they get arrested, and they're put into prison. But the good news is pretty quick. God finds a way to get them out of there. And the prison doesn't take away their passion for the ministry that God has called them to. Very quickly, they're back out in the streets. They're back out preaching. Lives are being changed. And you know what happens? They get thrown into prison again. But once again, the charges, they don't stick And they're released from prison. And the result of this is that this church, they're getting more and more encouraged of what's happening because they can see God moving. They can see God's protection. They can see God's provision. They can see lives being changed. And so they continue what we talked about last week. They continue to sell all that they have. It says says in chapter 4 that they sold their lands, they sold their homes, they sold what they had so that people could have what they needed because they were carrying each other's burdens. This is continuing to happen because these people are bought in. These people, they're built with deep and bold faith. And so what we see, the result of this, is the church and the ministry continues to grow. It grows so much because it grows so much that they run into an issue. It grows so much they run into an issue that there's so many people that the apostles can't take care of everyone. People need to be taken care of, and the apostles can't do all the work. So, what do they have to do? They have to start spreading the work out to people. 
Because the apostles need to continue to do what God, God has called them to do. And so once again, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they lean into prayer of who should we ask to be leaders? Well, one of those people, one of those guys is a man named Stephen. And Stephen's going to be a very important person in the story, in the history of the church. We have to know about Stephen. And Stephen has made a name for himself. Stephen is rising up in the steam of the community. Luke says this about Stephen when he, he tells people of how he was chosen. Acts 6, 5, he says, they chose Stephen, the people chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. This is who Stephen was. Well, the plan worked. Once they reorganized their ministry, more ministry was even happening. People were coming to know Christ. The church was on the move. Everything was great. What else could they ask for? What else could Stephen ask for in this moment? He and they were doing their best and God was moving. He and they were committed, and it feels like God is blessing every move that they made. And what else would they expect, right? I mean, they were doing their best. They were doing what was right. They were following God. They were becoming more like Jesus every day. So this is what people should expect. We already talked about this, right? This is how people expect life should go. I'm doing my best. I'm doing good. I'm doing right. I'm following Jesus. The result should be a blessing. The result should be good, right? Well, that was the way it was until it wasn't. That's the way it was for Stephen until it wasn't. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Now, Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. That's who he is. That's what he's doing. But opposition arose. From the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit uh, stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Let's stop there for a second. Do you see what's happening? Because maybe you will be able to relate. Stephen was doing exactly what he was asked to do by the apostles. Stephen was being led by the story, uh, the, 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 Stephen was led by the Holy Spirit, and he was all in on Jesus. Stephen was doing his best and accomplishing great ministry. His life was going well, but then all of a sudden it falls apart. And it falls apart because people are spreading lies about him. It falls apart because people are talking behind his back. It falls apart not because of something he did. It falls apart because of something that other people did. And you think, how unfair is that? How wrong is that? Isn't life supposed to work out if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Isn't life supposed to work out if I'm doing what God asks me to do? Isn't that how life is supposed to work? 
And I wonder if Stephen had to wrestle with that question. I wonder if I met Stephen, and I wonder if he was asking himself, why does it feel like I'm on the losing end right now? Well, if you continue to read, you'll see that Stephen was brought in front of the high priest. He almost had to lawyer up himself. The allegations were against him, and he had to come and explain, explain away what the charges were against him. And so Luke takes all of chapter 7 to give us a detail of what, of what Stephen said to the people that were against him. He takes chapter 7 to talk about who God was and how he had, had engaged with the world and who Jesus was and how he was the promised one. He goes into great detail. And isn't this great? Stephen, once again, was he, when he's brought before people and he could have just cowered down, he could have just hidden. No, he goes boldly and shares who Jesus is. Stephen is continuing to do what's right. So don't you think maybe things turned out a little better? Don't you think maybe this was a moment where things turned for good? Well, if you know that story, you know that is not true. But in case you don't know the story, I'll tell you, it doesn't end well. This is how it ends, Acts chapter 7, verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, what Luke tells us he says, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears. And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Can you picture this story? Intense. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of, the, of a young man named Saul. And while they're stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And they fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. I asked at the beginning of the message, does it ever feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but it feels like you're still losing at life? I don't know every one of your stories this morning, but I have to believe there's more than one person that says, yeah, I feel that. I'm sure there's more than one person that felt that statement is true about their life and that life just feels overwhelming. It only feels like you're getting behind. It never feels like you can make people happy. It never feels like you can feel happiness yourself. And you're saying to yourself, why does it feel like I'm trying so hard in life but it still feels like I'm losing? You think Stephen can relate? Do you think Stephen can relate with that emotion? Do you think Stephen can say, yeah, I feel you on that? Stephen is the first known martyr, one who died for following Jesus. And on the surface, this story doesn't make sense. And if you've been brought up in the church, I'm, heard, I'm sure you've heard this story before, but it still doesn't mean it makes sense. Because why does God allow this to happen? 
Where was God in all of this? Have you ever asked yourself those questions during your hard moments of life and do you ever feel like yelling, this isn't fair? God, where are you? If you weren't with us the first week, I shared that I had no plans of teaching this series through Acts. It was a couple days, just a couple days before I spoke on Sunday, that God changed everything about this series. I didn't have the plan of Acts. I had some other plan for us completely. But as I've walked through every week in preparation, I have felt this overwhelming feeling of God really did have something powerful to speak to his people. As I look at the life of Stephen, how relatable is he? Now, I know we haven't died, okay? We're all in this room or we're all watching. So I realize it's not the exact same scenario, but in principle, aren't you trying to do your best in life? Are you trying to do what God has called you to do with life? But is there a chance that what you're living in is the weight of stress, just the weight of multitude of heaviness? There's an overwhelming feeling that just grabs control. There's hurt, there's pain, there's a lack of joy, there's frustration, there's anger, there's confusion, there's just life. Why isn't it working out? Are there days it feels like you're losing and you're like, this isn't fair? If I was Stephen, I'd feel like I'd be thinking the exact same thought and probably say that exact same sentence. But you know what? In Stephen's story, you never see that. In Stephen's story, you never see him go there. See, after Stephen died, there was a great persecution that happened. From Stephen's death, there was even greater violence in the city. Because of his death, people began to run. They began to run to places they had never been before, even considered living, but they had to get out of town. And when they went, some amazing things happened. Acts chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Luke tells us about this guy named Philip. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he was saying. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. This is one story of many stories that have happened as people went out and scattered. You could say that Stephen's story ended in his death. But I think Stephen's life and story sent ripple effects into eternity. I mean, look, we're talking about a guy that went many years before us, that lived way before us. And we get to learn from this person who lived many years before of how to walk through some of the most difficult situations, the hardest moments in life. 
And I look at his story and I say to myself, Scott, you've got a lot to learn from these people. You've got a lot to learn from him. I look at the church and say, we've got a lot to learn from Stephen, from these people who came before us. If maybe we could change perspective, we could change mentalities, we could change how we walk through some of these circumstances, maybe life would be a little bit different. So as I went through this week and I wrestled through the text, I just came to some conclusions myself of what I can learn from Stephen's life in, in, in the early church. See, I learned that following Jesus does not exempt us from hardship. Following Jesus does not exempt us from hardship. These stories are filled with ups and downs. These stories are filled with great moments and moments that are filled with heartache and pain and agony. We have to look at and say these people, including Stephen, have given their whole life to Jesus, but that didn't protect them from the pain of this earth. It says Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says Stephen was filled with grace. It said Stephen was doing powerful things in the world. And still he went through this. And I wonder sometimes that we have a false notion of when we give our life to Jesus, things are going to work out. Maybe you've been told or, or it's, there's something underneath where it's like, God, I'm, I'm living for you, so this doesn't make sense. And we wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with God? What's wrong with this situation? But maybe we need to change our mentality. Maybe we need to prepare ourselves that following Jesus and earthly pain sometimes still go together. And when we understand that we can give ourselves to Jesus completely and still have pain, maybe there's something that happens in our mind where we can handle it in a more God-honoring way. As I read it, I, I, I believe that I learned that following Jesus calls us to have an eternal mindset. You can see in this story, tell me if I'm wrong, that Stephen did not live for this earth. And it wasn't only him, it was these early followers. They knew this place was not their home. And sometimes I think we struggle with this. Sometimes I think what sneaks into our life is we fall in love with this earth. We fall in love with this life. That this life is, ends up being the thing that we idolize, the thing that we look to first. And maybe that ends up being part of our struggle. Maybe because we're not walking into this pain with the right mentality. See, if we don't live with an, earth, an eternal mindset, then what happens to us on this earth carries even greater weight. See, when you live for more than this earth, then it changes what you do on this earth and how you walk through the good and the bad. And so I think what this story needs to do, it needs to force us to ask the question, do I live with a today mindset or do I live with an eternal mindset? And if something can be changed in us, maybe once again how we live and how we walk through hardships changes because our mindset is changed from a today, 
from what we sit in, from what we're going for, from what we want, when that changes into an eternal mindset, maybe our life changes completely. The third thing I got from it was following Jesus means we don't have to ask why. When I'm following Jesus, maybe it means I don't have to ask why. And hear me on this, I don't mean you can't ask why. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe it frees us from having to always ask why. Never once through the story of Stephen do I see he struggled with, why is this happening to me? And you know why I think it's not part of his story? Because I think that the foundation to Stephen's life is he had already given his life to Jesus and he trusted no matter what came his way, God already knew. He'd already resolved that in his soul. He trusted God with everything. The only way a person in their final moments of life says, God, will you forgive the people who are taking my life? Will you forgive the people who give me this pain? Will you forgive this person I disagree with? Will you forgive the person that's against me? The only way someone can do that is if someone has completely given their life away. And they realize no matter what comes their way, it's okay. Because God knows. And so as I walk through this text again this week, as I'm just personally owning this, I challenge myself. Scott, maybe you need to change your why questions into I trust you God statements. Maybe I need to transition from being a why question asker to I trust God statement with my life. I'm not saying you can't ask why. That's a natural emotion. Why, God? If we just pour ourselves up, you can see through Scripture this does happen. But I look in Stephen's life and he, I don't think he had to. And I'm not sure I always have to either. I'm not sure we always have to either. That maybe we can trade why questions for I trust you God's statements. Well, the fourth thing that I, got away, I, I took away from this is following Jesus means in the hardest moments, he is still with us. And can I tell you, we know this, but boy, do sometimes we don't feel it. I don't think you need another pastor to tell you God is with you in the hard moments. Or maybe you do. Because sometimes we forget the things we know so deeply, but in the hardest moments, we, we just see that truth being pushed to the side. Stephen's final words being to God tells me in his most broken moments, God was still present. In his most hardest moments, maybe God was closer than ever. I love that Stephen's last words were to the one that loved him the most. 
and when we're struggling. It's normal to ask, God, where are you? But maybe Stephen's life can remind us that, that God is exactly where you hoped him to, he, he would be, right by your side. That you can see him, that you can feel him, that you know his presence is right there. That maybe a statement that God is there in our hardest moments isn't new, but it me- needs to maybe grab a hold of and not let, we not let go of it again. Because we know we're going to walk through them. And that truth can be so valuable to us. And then the last thing I walked away with was following Jesus means we need to redefine what is winning and what is losing. And boy, do we struggle with this. In a culture that only glorifies winning, boy, do we struggle with this. On the surface, Stephen losing his life feels like a loss, doesn't it? On the surface, doesn't it feel like Stephen's hardest moment is a loss? But maybe the most broken and hard moments in our life is when the doors are open for God to do the greatest miracles at the same time. And maybe we live through life trying to avoid the hardest moments, and what we're doing is blocking God from doing the greatest miracles. That we try to avoid suffering at all costs, and in the end, we don't get to experience God's greatest strength. If I asked Stephen today, hey, would you like, would you like to just miss that and just stay on this earth? Would you want your life back? I gotta think, he's like, no. I gotta think it's a no, right? God did something miraculous through his life. And is there any chance that your life is the same? Something you think is a loss is actually the door that God's going to use to do something miraculous in your life. Maybe through your life. That when you feel like you're losing, it's actually on the front end of a win that's about to happen. We need to change and redefine wins and losses because Stephen's death was a win for the movement of the church. It was a loss to him, but can't God turn our losses into deep wins? And isn't that supposed to be our greatest passion for life? God, just use my life for greater wins. Even if it means I lose on the surface, but you win, the world wins, other people win. God, use my life that way. Maybe if we walk through life the way Stephen walked through life, we could walk through the hardest moments. And there's a peace that comes. There's a joy that comes. Those overwhelming, stressful weights that are on us right now just kind of fall off because we say, God, I trust you. But you know what? You know why I think Stephen could live his life that way? One is because we've been talking the whole series that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, the gift from God of his presence. But Stephen also had an example that went before him. Now, 
I hope you saw on the way in there is communion. If you haven't, if you didn't, you're not being rude. Feel free to get up and go grab at any of the entrances. If you're at your home right now, you're somewhere and you want to grab something for communion, go ahead and do that. Because today, hear me, today, Stephen was able to walk through his hardest moments because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, but also because he looked at what Jesus did and said, I want to walk through life the way Jesus did. I believe that was underneath this. And we have a Savior that walks before us, and he walked through pain. He walked through suffering. We don't walk through our pain and have a Savior that doesn't know what pain feels like. We're going to take communion today because we are remembering that years ago, Jesus was arrested for something he didn't do. He didn't deserve it. But life happened. And he gave his life, he gave his body, he gave everything to us so that we can now be saved and go and be with him in eternity but also so we know how to walk through this life. We've got a Savior who loves us. And so we, when, we, when we'll do this, we take this bread and we remember the forgiveness we have because he was broken on the cross. We, we take this juice and we remember that we have victory because he rose again three days later. We have what we need to walk through anything in life because of what he did. And I don't know where you are right now, what pain you're carrying right now, what frustrations you carry now, what unsureness you carry now, what hardship you're in. You have a Savior who died, but then rose again. So you have what you need. And so we celebrate communion today because you are loved. You are loved. If you don't know Jesus in this moment as your Savior, you are loved. And as he gave his life for us, he calls us to give our life back to him. And if we do that, we have everything we ever need in him. Ever need is found in him. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to end in worship. I'm going to do something we don't normally do. Is we're not going to take this at the same time. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have some moments where you just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. I need a Savior. I need a rescuer in my life right now because I'm going through some stuff. And as you spend that moment, as you feel that you want to, you can take that bread and you can take it in thanksgiving. You can drink this juice and you take it in remembering what you have in Jesus. Maybe as we worship, you want to come to the front and you want to bring something to God before you take communion and say, God, I trust you with my life. And you want to take this, the altars are open. But I'm going to put it in your hands that maybe you need to resolve in your spirit before you take communion today. God, I trust you. And as you feel comfortable, may you take this communion and may this communion remind you, yeah, you're walking through some things, 
but you're not walking through alone and you're not walking through in a way where your Savior doesn't relate because he's been there, he's gone before. Stephen could follow the example of Jesus and so can, I, so can we. Can we pray before we worship? Heavenly Father, thank you for how you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we remember that today, God. We remember all that you've done for us and Heavenly Father. May we live in what you did for us. May we live in that victory today, God. May we live in that grace today. May we live in that mercy that you've given us, God. Guys, we take communion today. If there's anybody watching, listening, or in this room that has not given their life to Jesus, God, I pray you'd pour your love on them and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they would pray, God, forgive me for my sins and I give you my life. That we would accept the gift of salvation from you through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the story of Stephen, that it can inspire us. But thank you mostly for your son, Jesus, who inspired all of this. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.